Prayers aren't empty words that are just hurled at the sky. They're conversations. In fact, they're the most important conversations in our lives. Find out just how much it matters when you pray. When September begins, so does that series that focuses on Paul's prayers for the early church and the so that statements that he used in his writing. So each week, we will learn to pray so that Christ may dwell in our hearts, so that we'll understand every good thing in Christ, so that we'll have one voice to glorify God, and so that we can discern what is best. The Pray series starts September the 6th, and what a good time that will be to remind us of the intentional focus of focused prayer. But now, what does the zone look like? The zone that I'm thinking of is the zone that has been made famous in the phrase, in the zone. When we use the language, oh, she's in the zone, uh, or, or look at him, he is just in the zone. Uh, when, when we say stuff like that, we are appreciating the connection that someone is making. They are doing what they are supposed to be doing, but they are doing it really, really, really well. So well that it feels like they were doing it in the way that it was meant to be done. So when a hockey goalie uh, is in the zone, they seem to be able to stop absolutely everything and anything that the opposing team can throw at them. It's a place that we normally think of as being beyond thought. The person is no longer thinking about what they are doing. They are just living it fluidly, without any delays in thought. It's an art form. It's a dance. It's fluid. It's irresistible. It's inspiring. It's beautiful to watch. It's compelling to be in the presence of of. And even if you don't personally enjoy what the other person is doing particularly, you can still observe it with observation, with observation and admiration. In most cases, you, you get the feeling, man, I wish I could do that. It's just, wow. Previously on Three Worlds, One Life, we talked about three worlds. Started with the physical world, which is the easiest and most straightforward for, straightforward for us to see and to imagine. It's the one to live within. That's the way we think of it. This is the world that we see, we touch, we smell, we breathe. It's the very, very tangible. And for the most part, we see this as the real existence. Then there's the virtual world. And this is the digital platform world. And in here, we, we see and we interact and we communicate, we collaborate, and we share experiences, but indirectly. We do all things through at least one layer of a buffer. And so the virtual world is an amazing place of speeding up communication and, and uh, crossing vast distances with incredible ease and efficiency. We visit there for work, we visit there for play, and when we need to be physically distant. Third world is the spiritual world, and this is the world of God, because God is spirit. This is not the realm of the natural. This is the place of the supranatural. It's the not natural and the more than natural, the supernatural. 
natural. And in this world, we understand that there is more than that which we can simply taste, touch, hear, smell. This is a world of ethereal power, and it's esoterically wispy, difficult to nail down. The spiritual world inspires, it motivates, it empowers, it reveals, and it transforms. And when we are involved in uh, and connected with the Spirit of God, we are living in with what many people throughout history have termed a thin spot. And a thin spot is about proximity. It's about an overlap between the physical and the spiritual worlds. And when the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to his friends in the city, a uh, city in Macedonia called Philippi, he was under guard. He was in a form of prison, and uh, he was either in Ephesus or in Rome. His real physical world was not full of good things and happy times. But even in this unhappy physical situation, he remained focused on his larger goal, the way of Christ. The overlap, the, the thin spot in living firmly rooted in the physical world while being informed, empowered, and inspired by the spiritual world. And so he reminds us that his friends in Philippi about living in the zone. Philippians 1, 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then when, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence... I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. How we are living is not about staying in a, in a spot of perfection. No, it, it's a dance. It's like the dance of war. Always making small moves, small adjustments, constantly resetting to keep ourselves in the zone. And if you're not in the zone, well, just where are you? So, so what does conducting yourselves in a worthy manner, like Paul said, what does that mean for Paul? In another one of his letters to his friends in a different city, Paul lays out what it is to live under the law of Christ. Now, do you remember the law from Christ, his command? This is the commandment that he gave directly to his apostles at Jesus' last Passover, what we call the Last Supper. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And that sums up all the law and all the prophets. And this time, Paul is writing to his friends in the city of Colossae. Colossae is an ancient city in Phrygia. That's in Asia Minor. And it was one of the most celebrated cities in southern Anatolia. So your modern travel agent would book you on a flight for Turkey if you wanted to get there. Colossians 3, and we're going to read 1 to 15. Since then, you have been raised with Christ... Set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the way you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, 
and rage and malice and slander and filthy language coming from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken your old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. One of the greatest revelations of my life is that I can choose my thoughts and think things on purpose. In other words, I don't have to just think about whatever falls into my mind. This was This is a life-changing revelation, a spiritual warfare secret weapon for me, because as it says in Proverbs 23, as he, as a man, thinks so in his heart, so he is. You could say it like this, where the mind goes, the man follows. Now, God is concerned about the hidden person of the heart, which is our inner life. Our inner life is what we think about, it's what we dwell on. And like the proverb says, the way that we think determines how we live and who we are. That's why we need to think about what we're thinking about. How we think leads us to live in certain ways, and that could put you in the zone or out of the zone. It's so important for us to understand that because if if we don't learn how to take every thought captive and put it to the obedience of Christ, like Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, well, then we won't live the life that Jesus died to give us. A life of peace with God, peace with ourselves, great relationships, real joy, and the ability to become all that God has created us to be. That's living in the zone. And it comes down to choosing to believe what God said, which is the truth, more than we believe our feelings or what other people say, or our circumstances. (coughs) The essence of our living is housed in great relationships. That's regular relationships and them fancy relationships too. Relationships with those we have known forever and relationships with those that we are just meeting for the first time. You can think of all relationships having varying levels of challenge or expectations, varying levels of support, or encouragement, and the balance between expectation and support defines what the relationship will look and feel like. So, when I'm kind of in a cheeky mood, I might lay it out before you like this. Just what kind of a jerk are you today? We can be jerks in all kinds of different ways, and in all of them, they appear when we slide out of the zone. When we are not living in the thin spot, 
For ease of understanding, I just want to help you with this, we can think of four relationship styles. Now, the, the truth is, we're going to move in and out and around in these different relationship styles, depending on what is happening around us. But because we can take every thought captive and subject it to Christ, because we can choose the thoughts that we will think and that we will allow ourselves to linger on, we can also recalibrate where we are and choose to shift back into the zone. So there's, some of these things will be helpful. I found them convicting, inspiring, restorative. Uh, they help with increased self-awareness and submission to Christ. And as I am in earnest pursuit of Christ, well, what should I be doing? Uh, how, how should I be living? How, how should I be relating to those around me? But as we think about that, we're not trying to make like a system of rules or a set of new guidelines. What we're developing is our discernment senses. Well, how is the Spirit of God guiding me? What does that look like? And we're going to dive a little bit more into the discernment depth side of things next episode in Three Worlds, One Life. But for, what, for right now, let's just flesh out these relationships. So based on expectations and encouragement. So low expectations, high support, or high encouragement would take us to a relationship style called four. Four relationships are well, they're protective. They are, they are easy and undemanding to be in. I find that this is a resting spot for me far too frequently. It becomes permissive. I do things for people too frequently. I don't, I don't want to bother people, so I, I just do things for them. And let, let, let me just do that, right? And sometimes it's helping, but sometimes it is just not helping people grow to their full God-given capacity. Four can be a place where you end up when you are tired, when you are frustrated, and when you're discouraged. That is four relationships. Low expectations, low control, high support, high encouragement. But what if we slid both the expectations and the support level to low? Well, that would take us to the not style of relating. Not relationships are neglectful. I'm past caring, all right? Just, just do whatever you want. I'm indifferent. You're on your own. Best of luck to you because I am just done. I don't even care anymore. This is passive and neglectful. It's not honoring either, to either party in the relationship. And this, well, this might be coming up now. It might be called pandemic fatigue style of relating. I'm just done with it all. This, this one we're more likely to observe in other people. This might be a little bit harder to see in the mirror, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. The not relationship style. Now, slide the scale to high expectation, high accountability, high pressure, high control, low support, low encouragement. I think you might have met some of these people. I mean, you've met probably all of these types, but this one tends to stand out, and maybe you have, or maybe you have had a boss like this. Or maybe it's another family member. <laughs> that makes family get-togethers more than a little awkward. We call this the two relationship style. When you flex to a two spot, you become authoritarian. 
You become controlling. You become punitive. People shrink down before you and no one can live up to your expectations. You are intimidating. You are unapproachable. This comes sometimes by responding in fear, responding in anger, speaking in anger or fear does not bring hope. It's just a matter of using those things to control or to dominate. So my fear or my anger will compel you to do as I say. But control is not peace. It may be silence, but it is not peace. It is not the way that the Father who calls us to eyes up freedom and courageously fearless living. Now, to be honest, each of these different styles may become necessary for a time. They might each appear in different relationships and in different circumstances, and you will probably display each of these styles at some point. And you will absolutely be tempted towards each of them at different times. But wait, there's still more. Yeah, there's one more relationship styles. What about high expectations, high accountability alongside high encouragement, highly nurturing qualities? This is the one way of thinking about living in the zone. And we call this the whiff relationship style. When you are intentionally interacting in the whiff zone, you are respectful. And you are challenging. You are exercising benevolent authority and not tyrannical authority. There are high expectations because I am calling you to more. But there is understanding. <coughs> and there's support structures and there's training that go along with the expectations that this person or you is coaching towards success, development, and improvement. And the nature of the with relationship aids you in wanting to go to where you're being challenged to go. So living in the with zone enables the possibility for the greatest amount of happiness, for the greatest amount of fulfillment, for the greatest number of people. This might very well just look like the word gentleness. Gentleness is a conscious decision to only use the appropriate amount of force necessary in any given situation. And Jesus embodies that so completely. Gentleness is a trait of love. Harshness in Scripture is a trait of weakness and immaturity. And Jesus is the epitome of humanity. And he is both gentle and strong. Jesus was bold enough to confront those who abused their power, and yet wounded women would feel safe enough in his presence to weep at his feet. He confronted the Roman governor Pilate, and yet children wanted to sit in his lap or play with him. What are some of the recognizable relationship traits of Jesus? What is a description of the essence and character of God? Well, they summarize beautifully as the evidence of the presence of the Spirit of God at large and in a person's life. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Our with relationship style is simply Christ-likeness, abounding in the fruit of the Spirit. 
Now, different biblical authors specifically talk about a couple of things that we must do in order to develop a mind that agrees with God. Living in the zone brings us into proximity to the desires and the will of God. How do I know the will of God? Well, don't forget that you have the mind of Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And having the mind of Christ means that we look at life from our Savior's point of view, having his values and his desires in mind. It means to think God's thoughts and not think as the world thinks. It's a shared perspective of humility, compassion, and dependence on God. So, as we already read in Colossians 3, Paul starts by saying, Colossians 3 verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is. Where that's where he's seated, at the right hand of God. In verse 2, set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. When we have the mind of Christ, it is in contrast to the earthly things. We, we are taking our thoughts captive by setting our thoughts on things above. And when we have the mind of Christ, Paul, Colossians 3, verse 15, he encourages us to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Set your minds and keep them set on what is above, eyes up. This is the key to resisting temptation. When we make up our mind ahead of time what we will do and what we won't do, then when temptation arrives, we have already laid a foundation to make right choices and are more likely to successfully overcome the temptation. We don't want to wait until the temptation comes and then react based on how we feel about it in that moment. That's a recipe for disaster. So do not be conformed to this world, right? But be transformed, be changed by the renewal of your mind. That's Romans 12 too. Renewing the mind is an ongoing process, not a, a blip in time. Every day we need to take time to be in earnest pursuit of Jesus. So we study what God has already spoken to us as recorded in Scripture so we can purposely think according to what He says. God, Help me to see as you see so that I can do as you say. And the do as you say part is the living out of that Jesus command. To love each other just as he loved us. And one of the ways that you can calibrate your understanding is to consider the relationship styles. Continue to move with greater frequency, with greater intensity towards the with style of relating. Respectful encouraging, nurturing. And one practical way that we can run in eyes up earnest pursuit of Jesus is to have a session of in-the-zone thinking every day. Athletes are told to do this all the time. Visualize it all happening smoothly and properly, and that improves your game time performance. Take some time to focus, to slow down, to get set. Today, I'm going to think about some things on purpose. I will focus my heart and my mind on Christ Jesus. 
I am going to choose to relate to others following the lead of Jesus. And then spend some time thinking about or, or meditating on passages of Scripture that renew your mind with the truth. The truth about what God says about you and, and His love for you, um, His plan for you, and how He wants you to live out the principles of His upside-down kingdom. Maybe you can even write some of them down and, and put those on uh, put them on paper, put them in places that you're going to see them every day, like your bathroom mirror, your refrigerator, or even the lock screen on your phone. If you commit to focus your thoughts, to live in the mind of Christ, renewing your mind with truth, and getting that stinking thinking out of your way, then you will move towards the experience of the fullness of the new life that we can all have in Christ. Living in the partnership with the Spirit that will cause you to live more frequently, more passionately in the zone. So let me just be clear about this. I don't think that you can be perfect in this life. So this is not about guilt and not being good enough. We can never be good enough on our own. But as we grow in sanctification, as we grow in the likeness of Christ, in having our minds renewed, the adjustments then grow smaller, more subtle, perhaps even less frequent, but they are always going to exist. But don't give up. You do not walk alone. In his letter to the Philippians chapter 1, Paul reminds us that being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You are not done yet. He is not done yet. And when He is done, there will be no doubt. For Jesus Christ shall forever reign. Kind Father, thank You. Thank you for the gift of relationship with you that is intricate and alive and, and, and breathing. Thank you for not just saying, do it, and I'll check on you later. But as you guide us to move towards you, you give us clear expectation. And you give us so much encouragement. You give us so much direction. Help us to walk into a world that's not the one that we're used to. Help us to embrace that thin spot where we in our physical world can draw close in this spiritual world to see it and understand that there is more going on than just what we can see. And then help us to pray prayers of engagement where we say, God, help me to see as you see so that I can do as you say. Because if I don't see as you see, it makes it really hard for me to do as you say. And then as we continue to put truth in and to have our minds renewed and refreshed with truth, God, I pray that you will speak to us, that we will learn to hear your voice. We'll improve and develop our sense of discernment. Speak to us so that you might speak through us, that you would use us to make a difference in the world, that the world may know that God loves them and Jesus died for them and that this relationship of peace and care and gentleness is a worthwhile pursuit. It is attainable. We can get into it 
and then we can grow in it. Once again, God, I pray that you would give us the gift this week of interruptions. Interrupt us with your opportunity and give us a mind that becomes quickened when the interruption happens so that we might see you at work. Lord Jesus, use me. Lord Jesus, use my my actions. Use my going about. Use my shopping. Use my uh, phone calls. Use my emails, my text messages, my chance meetings. Use them all to your glory and surprise me again with how intricate your web has been woven for me to interact with. Oh God, I pray that you would once again help us to see what we can be with you. When we work in partnership with you, amazing things happen that bring us delight and wonder. Amaze us again this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.